So, and I can't imagine you've ever thought about this before, so this will be a brand new question. Mm. What would your wrestling gimmick be? You <sighs> Unlocking five-year-old Sean here. Uh, my wrestling, <laughs> my wrestling gimmick. It has to be something obnoxious because I feel like it has to be me dialed up to twelve. Um, right. What, what, okay, I want to. You know, let's go to the nineties when every gimmick was a different kind of occupation. They're very occupation focused. Yes. So there was Doctor <laughs> so Isaac Yankum, who was the dentist. What's an obscure <laughs> occupation great. that I could take? Because oh, oh shit, the the dog catcher. But all the, the dog catcher, all the uh, I, and I call my enemies my, my the mutts, the mutts, yeah, or maybe my <laughs> fan base are my mutts because I capture their hearts. Uh, oh yeah, oh there you go. This is already absolutely fully flat, fully formed. And is this the kind of character where audiences are going to cheer or boo when he emerges on stage? I feel like at first I'm a very lovable, endearing chap, and then there's going to be a heel, <laughs> a, a heel turn when I actually, arc. I actually start kenneling dogs. Like I make it, I make stage. it real <laughs> on stage. <laughs> grab them from the audience. <laughs> Let's bring your dog session. We're gonna have a nice session so that it will be dog friendly. The noises will be turned down, and there won't be quite so much screaming. And then you just come around just capturing all the dogs. I feel like it lasts about a year before you know it runs its course. <laughs> it runs like, yeah, it's it not really a very twenty twenty three podcast. Twenty twenty three gimmick. No. Well, you take a year off, you come back as a different. You know. What about what about you? What what would the Paul Salt gimmick of the, oh, of the year be? Well, it'll have to be some. I'll, I'll be the the film director. <laughs> I'll wear the little black, the little black like film director's thing. And you got the clapper, dress, like um, like Goddard. Yeah, the clapper. I could clap like someone. It like make it so it seems like I've caught someone's nose in it, and they're just like. Oh, and and but then you you know what? If you 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 got to do take two straight after take the take two. <laughs> your finishing maneuver. It looks like I'm getting beat, but like I'm gesturing to someone off stage, and then suddenly a big IMAX camera just swings down from the rafters and takes them out. <laughs> James Cameron's your tag team partner. <laughs> Take it, Jimmy! <laughs> Hell yeah, we've got our tag team. The director and the flea bag. <laughs> the director. The Jeez. director. And I keep... And I keep directing, like, the camera filming the event to, to, to check out my excellent moves. You always know where to look. <laughs> I like, I'm, like, framing the guy as he's lying on the canvas bleeding. Ah, <laughs> oh, you see. I think we should start a wrestling league. The, the OGTW. The OGTW. That actually sounds good. It has a ring to it. <laughs> just, don't, just, just, just don't say what it... Because the, the one good thing, wrestling, it's... Well, I watched North and I have my good list of good things. Oh, no, sorry. The podcast has actually changed since the last time you're on. Oh, what is it now? That knows very well that just because it's your dream doesn't make it right or noble or whatever. Oh, I'm Paul Bandini, and we're not trapped in the ring with recommendations month. Recommendations month is trapped in here with us. Oh. And how better to finish the sucker off than with one of our absolute favourite members of Rotocast, top five anyway? It's Sean Furl. Sorry, Flurl. I wrote your name wrong. Try that again. Sorry Wait, what do we go with? <laughs> it's it's Sean Flurl. Sean Flurl. 
Thank you, Paul oh. Selt. Paul Seltzer. <laughs> oh, that's your wrestling name, Paul Seltzer. Um, no, th- oh, no, just a really annoying old gimmicky clown. Thank you very much for having me. I, I, I think this is, um, <laughs> I think now I'm now I'm now neck and neck with uh, Ellen again. I was the reigning reigning champion of most OGT <laughs> appearances, and then Ellen got a double billing in, and now we're I'm right back in the game, baby. Well, I might just happen to know that this is your eleventh appearance on OGT. Ooh. So, um, yeah, we missed your tenth. We, we missed number ten, but I think you picked a good movie for it last time. So I think that was um, I mean, that was an appropriate. That was turtles. <laughs> That was Turtles, and I think that was a good one to have as your 10th. And this feels like a number 11. You know, it's back to work, Monday. (laughs) (laughs) Think about age 11. Yeah. (laughs) Because, yes, Sean has suplexed suplexed me right into a half Nelson or something uh, by making us watch the 2000 wrestling comedy movie Ready to Rumble. Gordy and Sean had dead-end jobs. People always said I was a dreamer, an idiot, and a waste of life, and I will never amount to anything. No luck with the ladies. Brittany, let's go out again. We'll talk about me and you. Dude, you're in there. And no one to look up to. Freeze! Your sister shot her first perp today. That's nice, Gammy. But at least they had a hero. Jimmy King is the greatest wrestler of all time. Wrestling's fake. Wrestling's not fake! Now, these dreamers... Me and my associate, we're on a quest to find King. It's him! King King! ...will go to any length and do whatever it takes... ...to put their king back on his throne. Ready to rumble. Uh, the film was directed by Brian Robbins, who looks like a David Cross character, I think. Oh my god. And he uh, previously directed Good Burger, and would go on to direct Norbit and Meet Dave. An odious ride- rise to power. Is what we've got here. Good Burger. Is that the Keenan and Kel or the Kel film? Yes. And apparently he once appeared in an episode of Keenan and Kel, but I didn't have the time to chase that down and find out who he played. Neither I did I. I was fairly familiar with Keenan and Kel. God, that makes um, so yes, much he sense. Good Burger. <laughs> <laughs> it does, actually, if you think about it. It really <laughs> tracks. What if instead of trying to implement the perfect burger sauce, they were actually just uh, trying to throw guys with canvas. Keenan and Kel trying to become professional wrestlers would have been an incredible film. I oh, watched that. Oh, shit. That's actually quite good. Yeah. Okay, this this film is now the result of unfortunate casting. Ah, here we go. <laughs> Do you think either of them would have gotten on better doing the publicity for this movie, which we will come to, but... I think that would have gone down any better. I think so, and I think there's also like a, a, a missed <laughs> opportunity there that you could do some sort of orange soda wrestling tie-in. Oh, yeah. I don't know what the crossover is between wrestling <laughs> fans and Keenan and Kel fans, but it has to be high, surely. I'm assuming it's substantial. I'm, assuming I'm that one Keenan of them. and Kel starts people off. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So there you go. There's 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 a proven market here of Sean. <laughs> Many Seans. <laughs> Meanwhile, it was written by Stephen Brill. Who wrote three Mighty Ducks films, the three Mighty Ducks films, I think, uh, before becoming a solid Sandler scribe, writing Little Nicky, for which he was nominated for Worst Screenplay and Worst Director. He directed that one. Good uh, the Razzies, uh, Mr. Deeds, The Do-Over, Sandy Wexler, and a Hubie Halloween. I'm sorry, a what? I don't know what. <laughs> a, a, a Hubie Halloween. I think Hubie is a Sandler thing. It's an aspect of the Sandler law that I have not invested. It's part of the Sandlerverse. Jesus. You know, people in my film class are always talking about, no, Sandler's so underrated because of, like, Punch Drunk Love and um, uh, Uncut Gems and something he did this year, which I haven't seen. And it's like, watch a Hubie Halloween. 
and then get back to me on this. Watch any of the things that we've watched for OGT that has Adam Sandler involved, and then come tell me how much you enjoy Adam Sandler. I think he's underrated. I just think he's incredibly lazy. But that's for another podcast. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that is true. Yes, we mustn't talk too much about Adam Sandler here. Oh, uh, also, the writer directed Movie 43. Wretched. Ooh, which you have so, done. Uh, you've, you've seen it, so I don't oh, have yeah. to. Yep, absolutely. It was a joy. Um, yeah, there's a rancid little cadre of assholes at the heart of, all of these <laughs> movies. Just lurking in the background of things like Emperor Palpatine. Name of my autobiography. <laughs> rancid, what was that? A rancid cavalcade of... <laughs> uh, a rancid little cadre of assholes. Yes, that's amazing. <laughs> Um, yeah, there's nothing really interesting about the production except that Oliver Platt accidentally punched Randy Savage in the face. So, oh, oh my know. goodness, sir! I have so much for you in production. That's just from the <laughs> from the wrestling nerd in me. I don't know. If, are you aware of the legacy that this film holds post the film? I, I only I'm only aware of the legacy of um, the publicity. So, can, uh, all right, tell us about the production of the movie first. What have you got on that? Oh, that's kind of what I'm referring to more so. Oh, okay, I mean, like, right. It, yeah. yeah. So the, the, I was, I was yeah. planning on handing over to you for the publicity for the film because, yeah, I think Ooh. you might know more about this than me. <laughs> it's also just wonderful, like partially a big part of the reason that I picked this film is I just, I was kind of excited to think, what does it sound like for Paul Salt to talk about anything wrestling related? I just wanted to <laughs> hear that yeah. <laughs> and witness well, it. Well, you've, you've witnessed already, I think, the extent of my wrestling knowledge. I heard suplex. Yep, I said that. I also said Half Nelson, which is, I think is a, yes. is a thing. In, or at least it's a thing in wrestling. I don't know if it's... Uh... <laughs> Just, it's very hard to transition from a suplex to a Half Nelson. I but there is so. a Half Nelson suplex. You could chuck... Ooh, there you go. Mm. I think you could chuck someone into someone else's waiting Half Nelson. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I didn't get much from the production other than like, mm. obviously it's a direct tie-in because both WCW, which is the the company that is in the movie, but is also a genuine, well, was a genuine real-life company, was owned by yes. Warner or AOL Time Warner, which is also responsible yes. for the film. So there's a direct correlation there, obviously, okay. which is a big part World, of publicity. World Championship Wrestling, right? And is, was this a spin-off from... I mean, look, I as a cash, as someone who doesn't watch it, I've heard of WW, what formerly WWF, then WWE, because of the World Wildlife Fund, which is still one of my favorite yeah. things in the world. Um, yes, is the... It, the, the the basic layman's rundown of it is like yeah. wrestling from its carnival roots, especially in the seventies and eighties. At its at its at the latter point, was very much a territorial thing. So you could go to like yeah. you know the the Midwest, the Deep South, blah blah blah, and there'd be like mm. select territories. So it wasn't this massive mainstream uh, thing. Everything was very yeah. much kind of localized within their territories. Mm. The WWF, when it went public, became the first kind of big conglomerate, and that was by Vince McMahon, right. who's often in the spotlight for various nefarious reasons anyway. But the first time that anyone tried to truly compete on a global scale with Vince and the then WWF Mm. was WCW because it was backed by Ted Turner. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. Ted Turner basically created WCW and backed it through Time Warner. And that's Mm. basically, it was just a big television company, um, backed by a millionaire that wanted to throw and could throw as much money as it could. And during the 90s, when it had its big, when wrestling had its big boom period, you did have Mm. two companies that were head-to-head for a long period of time. So when this came out in 2000, this is its last full year in existence before it got bought out by WWF. Wow. Okay. Oh, okay. So it got got absorbed into WWF. Yeah, event- weirdly oh, wow. enough, like because they they filed for bankrupt, they they filed for a dissolution or whatever the technical term mm. is, and uh, WWF were the the buyers basically. Right. 
There are there are there is some competition nowadays though, right? Because I do one thing I do see on television a lot is all elite wrestling, which seems to be on Yes. More prominently than WWE in this country for some reason. I don't know if WWE's all hidden behind a paywall. Uh well also it's the difference between I guess well in America anyway it's um mm. on TNT or now TBS which was cable but TNT was satellite TV which is weirdly oh, enough okay. the same channel that WCW used to be on 20 years oh, before. Oh okay. So it's another like TNT is uh is Turner again. Um oh, so I don't know that? if it's look dude I could do a I could do a yeah. whole like dry <laughs> podcast around professional wrestling law, but I, I don't think your OG people, OG people, your OG, OG people, people. OG, OG people, people assemble. <laughs> well, okay, so let's focus on this then. So they decide they're going to make a movie um, with David Arquette and um, <laughs> uh, James, Car- Ca- yeah, James Khan's son, Scott Khan, Scott Khan, Scott yeah, in the movie. So then they decide that they're going to involve these two. But not even their characters from the movie, but actually the actor's David Arquette. The actor David Arquette. They're going to involve him in the storyline of the WCW for... One thing I can never find out is how long this went on for. What the for, like, time period of c- this story was. Not very fucking long. The first okay. weird thing about it is they don't use Scott Kahn. It's just yeah. David Arquette that's brought <laughs> yeah. in there. And they align him with Diamond Dallas Page because in the Fuck. real WCW, Diamond Dallas Page, who's the villain of the movie, if you're yes. following along, people, is a good guy <laughs> we'll that. at that point in the real WCW. Oh, I so see. they want David Arquette as a face, a good guy. Um, right. So, but the, So they're aligned together. And also they then decide as a publicity stunt or for whatever fucking reason, hey, how about we legitimately put the title <laughs> on David Arquette? Yeah. Which even David Arquette didn't want. No, he said it was a bad idea because it would cheapen the whole thing. And it did. Yeah, well, <laughs> evidently. Um, and they made did... the fucking massive structure as well. They made that oh, match the in real ring. life. Yes, the triple <laughs> cage, it existed. Triple cage, that was it. Oh, Jesus. If I, the only time I want to see Triple Cage is if they make a sequel to Face Off eventually. <laughs> oh, yes. With Keanu Reeves as well. <laughs> oh, fuck me. What a, what a situation. They're actually remaking it, and I have no idea who they're going to get to star in now, other than Nicolas Cage and John Travolta. I really uh, would just want the same two people, really. Yeah, exactly. But what I love is just how poorly received this was, because the Wikipedia page for the event says... The storyline was poorly received, damaging Arquette's reputation both as an actor and with wrestling fans. It has since been described as one of the worst moments in pro wrestling and a publicity stunt gone wrong forever associated with the death of WCW. WCW went out of business 10 months after the Slambury event and the Arquette storyline is often seen as a contributing factor to it in its decline. Six children died as a result of David Arquette pretending to beat up large men, and the cure for cancer has been delayed by up to a generation. I may have made that. <laughs> to all of it's that, just... basically, yes. It's so dramatic. <laughs> it's wonderful, Paul. The last year, like, WCW in 2000 is a dumpster fire of car crash television <laughs> at it, its what... finest. Like, was it? A, I mean, was all of this a desperate attempt? Were they struggling with ratings or something? Yeah, by by this point, yes, because there was a right. period of time during nineteen uh, nineteen ninety nine, especially where mm-hmm. they went. Um, so between ninety eight and ninety nine, if I'm getting my uh, months correctly, they mm-hmm. went eighty seven weeks uninterrupted, where they w- 
beat WWF in the ratings. They wow. were considered the higher company. But as soon as they lost that edge, as soon as WWF came back on top, they never recovered and they just oh, went on God. decline until it went into a fire. Like Jay Leno wrestled in a match for <laughs> WCW. That's amazing. Did he drive in on one of his cars? He, 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 he skidded in on his chin. <laughs> Very hard to floor that chin. Oh, God. It was all worth it, though, all of it, because the film was received by critics like a truckload of actual shit on the interstate. (laughs) John Hartle at the Seattle Times said, The entire movie is essentially an attempt to fill silence. An existentially troubling um, review there. (laughs) It's in all things. (laughs) Who was the the reviewer? John Hartle. Uh, We need to do a welfare check on him. Is he okay? Let's let's look in on John Hartle, (laughs) whether or not he came to the silence. I'm just trying so to terribly. fill the silences in my life now. <laughs> Since she left. Oh, God, she's, he's tragic. Um, public, meanwhile, felt like, felt like they were driving the truck full of ass juice. Meme oh. Fat Boy over on Google said, the entire. Oh, shit. Shit. Where's Meme Fat Boy's review? Because that's. Oh, no. The- it looks like. I, I, I pasted it, but it still had the previous thing on the clipboard because it says the entire movie is essentially an attempt to fill silence. No, Which I, don't I, think thought, that... I thought you were going to... You made it sound like you recognized who this person was. You're like, oh, that was me. I wrote that review. <laughs> I'm Meme Fatboy. <laughs> I've Googled Meme Fatboy, which isn't going to help me. I need to Google ready to rumble. Uh, is it Meme or Meme? Uh, no, it's Meme. It's uh, M-E-M-E-Y. Oh, yeah. That it it... Could be, it could Meme? Be meme-y? Meme-y Fatboy? Meme Fatboy, it could well be. It's okay. Because there are about six Google reviews, so this will not take me long to find. There we go. Uh, His review actually was not about the uh, deafening silence, which we are all trying to uh, remove from our lives. He just says, it's bunghole. Oh, that feels like a line that would have been in the film. (laughs) Meme Fatboy or Mimi Fatboy from the the movie. Cypher from the Matrix himself, Joe Pantaleone. Excuse me, I keep calling him Pantaleone, but it's Pantaleano. Pantaleones. Pant- pantaloons uh joe pantaloons uh, was yeah better than he needed to be in this pluto nash and congo a terrible movie which everybody was great in yeah. <laughs> <laughs> referring a recurring thread of everyone in congo is that everybody was doing way better than they deserved laura linney tim uh tim curry delroy lindo ernie hudson like that movie had a great cast doing good work but it's not a good film is congo the gorilla film yes Wow, that's a flashback. I, funnily enough, I know when I watched that, it was in the year 2000. Oh, wow, okay. Oh, it all bridges yeah. together, you see, fans. It's in the Congo WCW universe. <laughs> Amy would have been an interesting choice for, res- for wrestlers. <laughs> for a promotional thing. We're just going to use this event to promote movie and have the stars from the latest blockbusters come in. And the not-so-latest in the case of Congo, which is now five years old in this timeline. Um, oh, goodness come together and wrestle each other. That's not a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> Seeing as mo- a lot of our blockbusters now star professional wrestlers, that would be... I mean, that would be... Oh, okay. I need to... One day I'm going to pick your brain about Dave Batista. Oh, oh, he God, is yeah. a he's a lovely treasure of a man. He's a beautiful man. He's got a, he's got a beautiful soul. And I really like the way he came out and just said, um, I never wanted to be The Rock. I wanted to be a great actor, which is such a yeah, great low-key shade. Oh. As, a, as a lifetime wrestling fan <laughs> of The Rock, I, I gobbled that sentence up with yeah. glee. Oh, it was lovely. Oh, God. Yeah. 
Oh god, and the last thing I saw the rock in was Black Adam, which I ha- hated. So Oh, I still haven't seen that. Oh, I really hated that one. That was one of the my least favorite films of the year. But- Good lord. Oh, but speaking of Threeman, mm. Greg Collins is in this as crusty veteran cop in some scene. And was also in Gone in 60 Seconds as San Pedro Cop before he got crusty. Uh, even though that film's mm-hmm. after this one, I think. And Smooth. He played soldier in the on the bridge in Godzilla. So he knows his typecast. He does, and presumably he um he he was one of the men who sort of watched uh, Godzilla poignantly die Godzilla. after an hour of trying to ki- kill him. <laughs> oh, okay. I was thinking of him eating the fish. Well, I've got two of his films then. Yeah, absolutely. And I brought Godzilla too. You're welcome. <laughs> finally, Phil Horn. Uh, meanwhile, was credited uncredited in this as an attorney. Which when? An attorney. An attorney. Was, like, was, did, was there a wrestler that had an attorney gimmick? <laughs> well, it was just a member of the crowd. He's an attorney. I'm the law. His day job. <laughs> I am the law. Yeah, Sylvester Stallone as, um, <laughs> as attorney. But also, he was in, in Inspector Gadget, where he played an ice cream man. And Wild Wild West, where he played formal guest at Masquerade Ball. So that's two oh, of yours have uh, yielded I'm, three men. I'm bringing you all the veterans of your show back together. <laughs> There's a there's a network there's a there's a cadre of assholes who connect all of your um all of your films. Ready to Rumble has twenty two percent on Rotten Tomatoes, five point three on IMDb, seventy two percent on the hellscape that is Google, and made twelve point five million dollars on a twenty four million dollar budget, which is bad. Oh wow! They expected it to be a success, by the way. Uh well, sure. <laughs> yeah. How could it not be? Yeah. <laughs> oh Christ. So, Sean, you friggin' moron! Uh, uh. What's one thing about Ready to Rumble that made you want to lose a nut? Because it is a wrestling film <laughs> that I've never seen before. It's like I've never ever seen this really? film. And I know more. I know more about the real life aftermath wow. of this film. Like, like it's such a a cultural touchstone for me, and it, I have such a clear understanding of. Uh, like what wow. came after this and the impact that it had 20 years in the future, but I'd never seen the actual goddamn thing because I knew I would fucking hate it. Wow, before today? Yeah, yeah. This is the Holy today. T- an hour ago is the first time I've ever watched this film. Good Lord. I did not also appreciate be- that. <laughs> also because I'm a lifelong wrestling fan and I work for a wrestling company as well. So I was just very intrigued to see what the kind of, how much was it? them paying homage if at all yeah. and how much was it them having just a clear misunderstanding of wrestling and wrestling fandom and wrestling culture mm. um which yes. very much was that right like <laughs> it, it, it's always very interesting to me to watch people um engage with wrestling media and incorporate it in their stories yeah acting as if even now that people don't understand that it's fake. And that conversation, I'm always yeah. happy to have that conversation because I find it truly baffling and intriguing at the same time. Yes, and there's definitely some interesting stuff going on here with that. Oh, so- yes. <laughs> <laughs> we shall get to that. Let's talk first about what happens in this era of filming because we start with just, oh, this beautiful cinematic montage of just great wrestle men whilst a narrator talks about some of them. Not the ones who are on screen as he says. Thank them, you. But Thank some. you. <laughs> like <laughs> that was weirdly, weird. Oh, I, one of them comes later. Uh, like they say the person's name, and then the next four people later, it is them. But yeah, and everything they like else fade just... in just as he's saying names whimsically. 
Like it's like Andre yeah. the Giant, and then not Andre the Giant comes in, and it's like okay, Andre the Giant later. It's it's very it's, weird. Oh, I'm I'm glad you got that as well because that immediately <laughs> we were we were on terse communication terms, me and this film from that point onwards. <laughs> I think it genuinely got them wrong. It just didn't know who any of these people were and Googled it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's one large man above all others. The undeniable champion of all of the large men when it comes to physicality, to charisma, to stage presence, watchability. And it is Oliver Platt. I want to welcome you to the royal ass-kicking of Diamond Dallas Page. You want to see me make... Diamond Dallas Page, one of my ladies in waiting tonight. You want to see me take Diamond Dallas Page down into my dungeon and make him my medieval puppy dog bitch tonight? Yeah, that's what I thought. Cause I'm the... Sing it, man. I'm the king of rock. There is none high. Sucker MCs, call me side. I have many questions about his casting. <laughs> I will uh, say this. There is a character that you might know. I don't know if you under- you'll know this name, but does the name Jerry Lawler ring a bell to you? It does ring a bell. I don't know why. Have you seen uh, Man on the Moon, Jim Carrey? Oh, yes, but like decades ago. Okay. The wrestler that's associated with Andy Kaufman and that is Jerry Lawler. And I know that they're not trying oh, wait. to use... Is that so? Is that the character that because I know Andy Kaufman did wrestling, right? And it was like anti-wrestling in the same way that Andy Kaufman did everything. Yes, yeah, and right. so the wrestler that he did a lot of things with was with a wrestler called Jerry the King Lawler. This is, right. I can tell you now, this is not an homage to Jerry the King Lawler. It's just coincidence, I'm going to say. But okay. it is an example of a wrestler that doesn't clearly have the physical physique that one would expect from a wrestler. I see, right. And yet is still a household name, as it were. So I, I'll okay. appreciate that much. But okay. everything else, yeah. That's I'm not going to defend Oliver Platt in this film. <laughs> <laughs> Well, look, the person telling us all of this is revealed to be one of our two heroes because we have got David Arquette playing Deputy Doofy from Scary Movie and <laughs> James Kahn's beefy son, Scott Kahn. Called Sean, which I didn't realise until we started watching. Just Ah, a lovely homage to you, wrestling's yeah. greatest fan. <laughs> <laughs> ah, and it's never too early to use the R word in your movie, so I appreciate that. Oh, took them all of one minute. <laughs> Straight away. Who are they? Tell me about these guys and their life situation. Oh, well, serious brain freeze. That icy sugar locked up my knock knock. Well, what about me, guy? I was thirsty too. Oh, I'll get your refill. No, don't sweat it. This guy's a moron. No, come on, I feel bad. Hey, Gordy, why does it look like you have your finger in your butt? Does it do? Look, one's got a dead dad. Yes. And is doing and is doing not much of else. And the other one has an alive dad, maybe a dead mum, has a sister, has a cop family, like a oh, very think, kind of. This is... I think it might be implied that his mum is also a cop because when they're at the dinner table, right? Aren't they all? Oh, there that was the mother. Of course, it was. I it wasn't so. just a random deputy. Of course not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, um, so you've got what's his name? So we have got Sean and we have David Arquette. I forget what David's name is. David Arquette and Beefy Khan is what I'm going to be calling them. Beefy Khan, great. Um, yeah, we got we, David Arquette comes from a long line of uh, cops and is uh, expected uh, for some fucking reason to be a cop himself. While yes. uh, Beefy Khan is just um, doing nothing really, yeah. and they're both just lovable 
lovable deadbeat guys that uh, yeah. love wrestling and believe wrestling is real and true and it's uh, the only thing they have going for them. Yeah, yes, I'm pretty sure because they're hanging out outside of a uh, convenience store um, with some kids trying to get them excited about wrestling when the owner tells You're... them to go away. And which prompts within David Arquette a fantasy sequence. Um, which, like, yeah. I will just say right now, just to, like, <coughs> put the cards on the table, maybe my favorite part of this entire film. Yeah, there was hope there when that sequence happened. <laughs> Deadly! No, you're gonna get it! You messed with the Macho Man Randy Savage! I'm gonna get you, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was a lovely. I was like, oh, this is going to be like a, I don't know, like a Julie Taymor esque, like kind of visual oh nightmare of a film. Yeah. And I was in, I was into that. And Randy Savage was there, which is something. But get out of here, Randy Savage, you <laughs> charismatic has been. I'm all about Oliver Platt and David Arquette. <laughs> they can only afford me for five seconds. <laughs> <laughs> Need a little excitement? Get me in for a few minutes. <laughs> I cost three million. Uh. <laughs> but yeah, Goofy, uh, Doofy. I call him Doofy briefly. I forget to eventually. We'll go back to our cat. Uh, Goofy has been has a um, is Doofy. That's a, that was his name in the thing. Doofy has a cop dad who wants him to make something of his life, but he's happy, you know, working with Beefy Khan as a toilet man. Yeah, potty yeah. potty people. Yep, and they also like hassling Daphne and Celeste after work, uh, who are actually Kid Rock's actual sister and a proto Anakin. No. Yeah. Hi, Gordy. Wendy, where'd Brittany go? She switched to cheese. Hey, Brittany, how's the weather in there? Cold today. Hot tamale. Leave me alone, loser. <laughs> actually, or is this a is this a no? Actually, zinger? yeah. No, that's no. <laughs> that's that's fantastic. Kid Rock's actual sister is Brittany. I think her name was Sister Rock. <laughs> sister Rock is yeah working for a burger joint, and Scott Khan enjoys her, uh, but she doesn't enjoy him back very much. However, Anna Kendrick likes him. This may become crucial later. It depends how detailed we make this. So yes, yeah. and also you know, it, for the in the film's defense, like they need both of them to have a love interest. They, it just needs yeah. to happen. It has need to happen. It. it is pretty much still the '90s after all. It only mm. barely isn't. So we meet some more minor characters, and the Sandlerverse and Eddie Murphy verse really does beckon for these to, uh, the creative team involved here. Afternoon, Miss McKenzie. Ready for that big match tonight in Cheyenne? Oh yes, boys. Yeah, Jimmy King is gonna bitch slap Diamond Dallas. Old lady who swears a lot. Love it. Yeah, we we in the first ten minutes we we get a uh we get we get the hard R word. We get a whole lot of homophobia. We get a ton of oh, yeah. butt jokes, and then we get just like a just a bit of ageism in there as well to oh, just yeah. uh, dash on top. Anyway, you've all seen enough actual literal shit, so it's time for some wrestling. Uh, we get, mm. we end up at the event because they're both they're very excited about this event, which is not pay per view, but does involve their favorite wrestler of all time. So they go there to take their mind off of their actual shit job. And um, Jimmy King for those uh, Jimmy, King. Jimmy, Jimmy King, played by Oliver Platt. Oh, oh, good, Rose McGowan is here to be objectified. There's something we can all feel good about. Rose McGowan. Oh, hey, I never Rose. did get to watch Charmed. Oh, it looks good though. As a big Buffy fan, I feel like Charmed would have been a would have been a good thing to have checked out. But uh, unfortunately, it wasn't the show that my sister was into. That therefore, as a teenage boy, I could pretend to be watching because of um, bonding with sister. I was a very insecure boy, so it was just like, no, I'm watching this because of uh, Lucy. Is that the character? Shut up, Lucy! 
Try to follow this. Willow's in trouble. <sighs> God. <laughs> it's kind of it's it's kind of very strange because this is the point of the film where everything goes so fucking off the rails yes. that I I need to catch myself. Because like immediately what they set up is that Jimmy King is the villain. Yes. This is what I is get he? immediately. No, well, he, he turns up late. He's up himself. He doesn't give a shit. Um, right. And right. then the other wrestlers are just like, oh, yeah, we'll do whatever. That's fine. You don't want me to... Oh, that's fine. I'll, I'll let her know about it later. And then there's a bit of conspiring between um, yes. sleazy... Sleazy, sleazy Joe Pantoliano. And Diamond the... Dallas Page. Yes, who is a wrestleman. Yes. I forget what I just told you. Remember I told you I'd take care of you? Yeah. All right? Tonight's your night. Tonight. Tonight. <laughs> Works for me, bro. Who is a, a legitimate wrestleman. Um yes. That they're going to, you know, he's going he's gonna to sort you out. He's, he's going to be fine. And at this point, I'm like, oh, yeah, that, I, I don't like Oliver Platt at the moment. He seems yeah. like a, a very, so I'm already not where I'm meant to be in terms of the good guy, <laughs> face guy dynamic. Well, look, so they have a, yeah. It's going to be a redemption arc, right? He's going to be right. an asshole up front. He's going to get what's coming to him. And then he's going to gradually work his way back up to power. Because, yes, in a shocking development, evil Pantoliano, uh, reasonable good guy Pantoliano, is going to tell Diamond Dog Lewis or whatever his name is to... Diamond um, Dog Lewis? Diamond Dog Lewis, <laughs> yes. I'm pretty sure that's it. Uh, to use actual punches and other large men, both of which are discouraged in wrestling bouts, I imagine. Yes, uh, th- th- this is. I'm going to say this is a no disqualification match. The rules are flimsy. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Hand wave it. It's fine. So, yeah, they beat the shit out of him. And uh, they all jump from different corners of the ring up from the ropes um, so that their heads land on him in a way that probably hurt him a bit. Probably what hurt was it? him the more. Four, a, a four post massacre. <laughs> and that's, that's that. They, the, the men are heartbroken. Obviously, their king has been betrayed by his fellow wrestlemen. And he is forbidden. He's forbidden. From wrestling ever again. He is. He's forbidden. Which, and... like, I have questions about whether you can actually do that in someone's contract. But that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, there's a clause. There's a clause that jo- if John Pantoliano takes against you, um, the he Santa can clause. You. <laughs> so, <laughs> Jesus, I have to go and be sad that Tim beat Tim. <laughs> I have to wrestle Tim name. Allen. <laughs> I'll do it. Oh, it's not. It's not. It's not mandatory. I'll do it. <laughs> There's an extremely oddly paced sequence which sees the men crash their sewage van and then a van full of toilet rolls smashes into it. Um, consequently, they get stranded on their way home, which leads to an epiphany. To go to Atlanta and find him. How? We just will. Yeah, we'll just we know the city is in. I'm sure there's a very, a very easily accessed hacker's website that we can find. Yes. I'm sure there's a bunch of eccentric characters who will help us along our way. Starting with a van full of nuns that they ride... Uh, oh. To Atlanta with, <laughs> which is great, and, and and like they they spend a lot of time with teenagers and kids that are <laughs> also one that is just oh, it's the most nineties hacker bullshit, and I love it. Oh what is yeah, it? hackersworld dot com. Yep, we get to meet. Yep, the police will never figure this one out. We've got Hackers um, Planet. Yeah, mm. we've got Angelina Jolie doing the um doing the security on this thing, so everything's fine. So, yeah, we get a glimpse of some Naughty's video game graphics and some internet stuff, which is just wonderful. Oh, and the muscly guy dances to Britney Spears. <laughs> nah, the muscly guy. Little Khan. <laughs> little Khan. Little, little muscly Khan. He dances around to Britney Spears and we're all encouraged to laugh. Uh, speaking of being encouraged to laugh at stuff that uh, you feel a bit uncomfortable about, here's Oliver Platt's wife. Oh, it's Hilda from Sabrina. 
Oh, I dear. know. Oh, I was. I was. Oh. Is he home? What are you high? He hasn't been home in two years. All I got to remember him by is an itchy crotch. You ever seen crabs up close? You want to say? She she has crabs. The biggest thing she did post oh, Sabrina, God. probably. Oh, I hope not. I hope that I've oh. missed some sort of excellent adaptation of a Beckett play or something that she. <laughs> <did>. <laughs> Yeah, but you know what? It's it's not just penis jokes here on Ready to Rumble. There's crabs jokes. There's something for the ladies as well. Oh, uh, yeah. And it's also Platt has a large son with braces, who I'm just realizing, does that at the end get resolved or does he just punch his son out? No, he punches his son out and they have a very tenuous relationship going forward. Okay, great. That's that's good stuff. So, yeah, he's here and he's got He's got new braces. sons. <laughs> yeah. So he's got a wife with crabs and he's got a, a son with braces. So, yeah, Adam Sandler and Eddie Murphy just seen in the corners, like, beckoning. Beckoning the director and writer. Yes. Come, come yes, to come us. here. We've got Kevin James already signed we up. Let's go. We are your destiny. I can't turn away Why you was. Well, Come on. <laughs> this is how I really talk. It's Eddie Murphy. Oh, God. So, <laughs> they fight. That They do eventually find um, Oliver Platt in his trailer with long hair and pink glasses, so he's clearly a woman. Oh, no, it's a woman. Yeah. <laughs> But somehow the they lady. manage to see through his disguise and realize it's him. And he doesn't want to wrestle anymore, so they attack him. And it changes <laughs> his mind. It's always worth Which a go, does guys, work. if you're negotiating. Yeah, try it. <laughs> try it. Uh, um, t- sorry, no, we just, 10 out of 10. We don't have any vacancies here. Are you sure? Mm. Ah! Yeah. Oh, I like your what moxie. About now? <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like how determined you are. You're in. You're CEO now. <laughs> no one's ever done this before, so, you know. <laughs> so you get in. Good on you. Keep anyway. me on my toes. Ah, oh, more objectification, please. They go to um. They well, what do they do? They sneak a, him in in a porta potty. They sneak him in in a porta potty, which they have yeah. like twenty of backstage. <laughs> I guess, <laughs> and it's yeah. yeah. And they say, "I'm gonna, we'll, we'll we'll get you in front of the right people, and when we yell and scream, that's when you can attack." Which is what they yeah. promptly forget to do. Yes, yes, absolutely. And they go and find a changing room full of nubile young ladies. In skimpy th- underwear, which teens are going to love. I think you'll find they are things. Oh. They are naked things. <laughs> naked Many bits. naked things. And I think all of the audience are going to, ab- the teenage audience are absolutely going to love that, especially if you, juxt- if you intercut it with David Arquette's drooling face at the same mm. time. Oh, hey, mm. Rose McGowan, you're here too. How's it, how's it going? How's, it, how's all of this going for you? Oh, the yeah. same, same experience as most of the girls here. You're just one of the ones who spoke up. That's cool. Yeah. Are you wildly uncomfortable, but you just have to kind of, you know, put on a brave face and go on with it? Oh, okay, That's great. what it feels like. Yeah. Excellent. We'll, we'll, we'll do the same. So, Pantoliano is still keeping King's brand alive by referencing him frequently in the show in spite of having kicked him off. Just um, And yeah. kind of wanting people to forget about him completely, but it's... But mm. also still bringing him up. God, how much time has passed? Oh, I guess they did. Actually... Yes, this must be just a few days after he's had him kicked off the show because they immediately travelled from home to here and they haven't trained at all. So no, not yet. So this is this no. is the the next show after, and they're right. They're, they're talking in a backstage section, and then mm. he's just like, "Hey, you should probably say that uh, live on air." Oh, we're live! <laughs> the camera just turns on. Yeah. Um, so like that's flying by the seat of your pants, and I love it. <laughs> but yeah. Pantoliano hates money. And so doesn't want to do the very obvious redemption story here and just wants him out. But nevertheless, they convince him that, you know, if you must, we'll do a, hu- a hugely publicizable event in which 
your fate can be settled. And if you manage to grab a belt, then you can be head wrestler. It, it doesn't if... actually take much to convince him either. No, it like, really they doesn't. Did, they didn't really need to like kind of trick him into it. It's like, hey, do this thing. He's like, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's Oliver Platt who gets tricked into it. He's the one who's yeah. sort of pressured into agreeing to doing this. What, yeah. a match? I never thought of that. Of Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. So to celebrate, they have a big party where Rose McGowan interacts with David Arquette and Oliver Platt falls into a sewer. It's very similar experiences for the two of them. Yeah. <laughs> and they know the sewers very well, so they find Platt again and they convince him again yeah. <laughs> to train again. <laughs> yes. So at this stage, my memory of what sequence the scenes go in are a bit interchangeable but here's a list of things that happened before the big match um, Good, i can i can help you out <laughs> they they train with an old man yes in a dungeon apartment sal mandini want to wrestle <laughs> sal mandini is real hard yeah! <laughs> tap out son yes uh, Rose McGowan inexplicably comes on to David Arquette, but he tries to wrestle with her instead, and she likes it, and includes him punching her in the face. I will now unveil my secret weapons. Foreign objects! <laughs> and they still apparently have sex, but that even that's yes. not clear. No. They go to a gym and see some other wrestlers, including John Cena, apparently. I didn't spot Yes, him. he was He was in the background um, lifting one of the... I don't know what these are called. This is an audio medium, but he's on one of the pull-down machines. You can tell I oh, use right. the gym regularly. <laughs> oh, um, yes, the old pull-down. Back in... Here you go. Here's trivia for you. Back in the 2000, in, in the Ooh. year of our Lord 2000, he was known the as the prototype. Oh, okay. Um, the prototype. I, he was a half-man, half-machine. Oh, my God. He was, is it because he had a bit of a resemblance to a young Arnie? Uh, yeah, a bit of that. And also, he did actually transition. From, he tried to become a bodybuilder in L.A. before transitioning <laughs> to professional wrestling. you going to say he did wrestling. transition into a machine? <laughs> he was part cyborg. That's, what, that's the story there. <laughs> he went from cyborg to full human. <laughs> oh, it was a bicentennial man situation. Do you believe me now? <laughs> Fuck me. Um, yeah, so they do that. Oh, they don't manage to get a wrestling partner there, but they do establish, obviously, the guy's going to show up at the end. Yeah. Mister. Do, do you know his name? No. <laughs> ah. Goldberg. Big, bald Go- Goldberg. Big, bald Goldberg. Excellent. Best wrestler. So, yeah, uh, some guys try to attack old man wrestler, but he beats them up instead until they break a chair on, on him and he ends up in hospital. Yeah, with... Severe concussion, I believe. Who knows? But yeah, he yeah. he 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 gets as he gives as good as he gets. But he is still like an eighty-year-old man. So yeah, he's still a very very old man. Is the problem there? Um, Rose McGowan turns out to be explicably dating oh. David Arquette because she's really working for Pantoliano and for career progression. But he finds out, and confronts her immediately. So it was a crazy ride whilst that lasted. Yeah, it's it's a shame she didn't look around while she was taking that phone call, being in the same hospital room as David Arquette. <laughs> No, I think we're fine. I'm sure of it. It's fine. He's an idiot. He's such a fucking idiot. Just don't worry about it. He's in the next room. He can't hear that. (laughs) Uh, King reunites with his family and promises to do right by them. Gets kicked in the nuts three times. Yep, that's good. I enjoyed that. Yep. Uh, (laughs) Arquette gets arrested by his dad and brought home and refuses to be busted out. 
Yeah, he's he's decided to you know go straight, um, go on the straight path and become uh, a become a cop himself. Yeah, as opposed to a criminal wrestling man. Oh, <laughs> they have the uh, the tryouts for his posse and end up with a cowgirl, a fireman, and a guy with no teeth. They will be in one yeah. shot later on. They mystery men it. <laughs> it well, that would have involved Kel being around, which would have been the absolute perfect situation. Uh, oh. And then. Beefy Khan has grown as a character somehow and ignores Kid Rock's sister in favor of the proto-Kendrick as a sexual partner ahead of his uh, final ascension to manhood. Yeah, what was his reading? He's like, look, um, you were always pretty nice to me, so I guess I should have been nice to you. Let's fuck. <laughs> yeah, let's just fuck. Says that she's nasty. Yeah. The shy girls are all nasty folks at home, so go bother oh. them, I guess. <laughs> or, or wrestle them. The, the yeah. mixed messaging is unclear. It is. I'm, I'm sure it'll all turn out to be fine spiritually. Um, yeah, okay. Time for the match. Oh shit, we forgot to train! Ah! Ah. Oh yeah, they do train. That's right, they do. Do we see them train? <laughs> I was trying to remember this. Like, I couldn't remember many montages of like Oliver He Platt beats up the country training. people. He beats up the country people and then he goes for a jog. Okay, well he's trained. That's more than, you know, yeah. some of these guys have clearly ever done. So you got I'm some sure cardio in. Yeah! Oh, come on now. One less chicken sandwich a week. He's on top oh. form. <laughs> did, did eat the chicken sandwich though later. So, yeah, we meet some more wrestlers, which could very well be a plot summary of the rest of the movie. And, um... <laughs> yes, Pandliato psychs up some people. Yes, he, 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 um... Sting is his name, but he basically says to Sting, "Is like, oh, you're you're gonna do. You wanna you wanna continue being here? You you you're yeah. my insurance policy." And he doesn't respond because he's mysterious and spooky. Oh, I got that. But he's gonna do it. Then there's just a big fucking triple cage match. <laughs> yes, there is. It's um. Oh look, it's the famous announcer guy who says, "Let's get ready to rumble." David Byrne. Yes. The talking heads. <laughs> <laughs> but he can't say let's. He can't say. <laughs> Can he not? Is that why he says it weird? No, no. It, he said it weird because otherwise it wouldn't be the name of the film. He can't say, let's get ready to rump. Like, because he's, he's, he's meant to say, ladies and gentlemen, oh, let's get ready to rumble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he says it weirdly where he says, um, it's time to you, rumble. Or are you uh, ready to yeah. rumble? Ladies and gentlemen, we are So he could really emphasize the ready to rumble. It was just weird. It was odd. <laughs> I wonder if there's a trademark on let's get. I wonder. <laughs> it just oh, felt very God. odd. But that's not what you do. <laughs> now, at this stage, and it is confusing, he introduces Platt and his opponent, who I think is called Kane. But there will later on be a guy <laughs> in face paint who was also called Kane. No, so, so maybe I misheard. There is, no, Page. There's Diamond Dallas Page. Is right. His, is his. Yeah, the one that you called Diamond Lee Lewis, or Diamond, I can't remember what yeah. you called. Diamond Dog Days. Yeah, Diamond, Diamond Dog Lewis is Diamond Dallas Page, who is facing... Okay. Who is facing Jimmy King. But there's also a lot of people in masks. Uh, but Kane yes. is a wrestler from the WWF who is now called Glenn Jacobs in real life and is the mayor of Knox County. He's a conservative <laughs> <laughs> politician. Jesus Christ, it's amazing. The career opportunity, the career progression that wrestling can offer you is really quite something <laughs> to behold. Jesus. 
So yeah, there's that. Then you know, wrestlers come out. There's a lot of large men, and I assume it's a big deal. But some of them, some of them, you can't even see their face. So I do wonder no. if they're just being mixed in with just some extras. They are all pretty much every single one of them are named wrestlers that I know. Good Lord, amazing. Um, in that in that <laughs> ring alone, here you go. In that ring alone, okay. there was. Gold Dust, sorry, not Gold Dust, Goldberg, Sting, Booker T, Hooventude, Guerrera, um, uh, Diamond Dallas Page, uh, and a whole bunch of other people. Bam Bam Bigelow was in there somewhere. Yeah, you know what? They're all there. <laughs> That's why there's the big thing in the credits that just like everyone himself, himself. <laughs> oh, shit. Also here is one of the wrestlers. Somehow, is Oliver, <coughs> is Oliver Platt's son. Oh, yeah. Did he, ah. did he get approached by did he sleazy manager or, or did he just decide to do it well look this is not a very lockdown set because the next thing that happens is that david arquette drives in on a cop bike and fucking rides into the ring so fucking tears down the cage and almost <laughs> commits vehicular manslaughter <laughs> this whole this whole ending sequence is just guys trying to legitimately kill one another yeah and his cop dad just watches the tv and is like nice Mm. I taught you. I well, guess son. I do like it now. <laughs> now that my son has recklessly endangered a whole bunch of people, I'm into and it. And is impersonating a cop. When does Rose McGowan try to get back together with David Arquette? Because I've got that note oh. now. Yeah, in the in the ring, and then the whole gag is like, uh, "Are you paying?" Uh, right. Oh, so you got a ladder to the face. Yeah. I could never forgive you for what you did to Sal. You're a mean, mean lady. Sasha. Shut up, Sean. Sasha. You shut. Up. Stand so close to the ring when there's a ladder match going on. Hooray, she gets rejected and then hit in the face of a ladder. It's, uh, oh, it's what everyone wanted, stuff. apparently. It's what I was hoping to see today. And there's another... No, the, the character called Kane now shows up. And, um, you know, the movie hasn't taught me who these people are. But um, King nearly gets to the top. And then he beats that guy. And then another guy shows up with a perm. Who I think was one of the bad large men. And Perm gets knocked through all of the cages right down to the bottom. Oh, that's Diamond Dallas Page. Yeah. That's Diamond Dallas Page. Okay. He's the one that's actually in the match. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> He's the one who's meant to be doing the fighting. The nemesis yes. that we've established. Um, yeah, Platt tries to tentatively retrieve the belt to the applause of the crowd. Um, yeah, and that's guess, it. And guess you've got your job back, I guess. Yeah, an incredible and a million dollars. Six minutes of wrestling. And yes. gross out comedy for the most part. <laughs> oh my goodness. I'm I'm sorry, Paul. <laughs> it was a hell of a thing. So yeah, Arquette and Beefy Khan just beat up a private citizen and Joe Pantliano and throw him into a crowd who presumably kill him. Yeah. <laughs> I also I also like at the end he's like, my tag team partner, one of you. And you can just be the the manager, I guess. <laughs> yeah. You you look better in a suit, so you be the manager. And um, you 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 be, yeah, you be you be. Yeah, you're you're a cop a guy. That goes with my king gimmick, yeah. I guess. You're a cop guy. You've both got girlfriends now. They take time out of their glamorous and exciting new lives to go and build it, beat up the store owner from the beginning. Can you say it now? I'm your bitch, and you're my daddy. Help. Roll right off his tongue. That should teach you to be nice to kids. The end. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Closure. I was really anxious <laughs> that they weren't going to get revenge against that guy. Oh, and oh, you know God. what? It's, it's fine. It's fine. It's all fine, Paul. <laughs> everything's fine. Everything's if you look, fine. If you squint hard enough, you will see that everything is fine. You'll see so, it's a film. 
you'll see that this is actually the cinema. So, what did you make of this movie that you've long known about but not seen? I think it might be the worst film I've brought to you. Wow. That, ooh, that's exciting as an idea. You might be right. Let me have a I, look. <laughs> the list. I want to both approach this from someone who is going to heavily defend the art form that is professional wrestling, but also someone that just needs to look at it as a piece of film. And I think I can, yeah, I, I'm trying to look at it uh, both through the lens of somebody who is probably just looking to defend the art form of professional wrestling, but right. also just needing to look at it as a piece of film media. And both of those are kind of conflicting with one another, but sure. also coming to the same conclusions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really inexplicable. Um, because yes, what we have here, and part of me really loves that they did the publicity thing because it really bespeaks a time when the ultimate expression of a thing was the movie. The movie adaptation of your thing, whether that thing is a sport or, you know, a TV show or a trading card game. Or a toy game, or anything. A toy, yeah. exactly. The ultimate form is there's a movie. And I don't know yeah. if movies get that same sense of reverence as they used to. You know, in, in a thing, they always, you know, used to say at the end, oh yeah, they're making a movie of the whole thing. And that's like demonstrating the legitimacy of the experience. Yeah, the now, now a major motion picture. Yeah, exactly. That's that's like the most iconic thing. And it really bespeaks, yeah, let's just fucking throw our entire sport out of the window because it's, we've it's got crazy. to prioritize the movie. It's You know what? It's actually fascinating that they did <laughs> both, right? Is This is clearly a film not made by wrestlers and yeah. who seemingly hate the sport like they're, they're, <laughs> they're lampooning it to the umph degree but yet afterwards they tried to use it as a way to like advertise the thing yeah. that they're paying out it's a it's a fascinating strategy it's what it, really it is. is oh god and i want to talk about the reality of the film and then oh what was the other thing well let's talk about the reality of the film because this is i'm, I'm very aware like i've only really seen one wrestling match in my entire life and good I was aware of the fact that there is a meta-ness to it, that the managers and the people actually who run the wrestling thing are kind of involved in the storylines. So there's kind of a self-awareness there with the sport being involved in the thing. You mentioned yourself that the, the head of um, WWE is a bit of a character themselves and has a bit of a reputation. It's, it's, a, it's a fascinating thing because you're, you're looking at a an art form, uh, a piece of media that until the 90s, the early 90s, mm. that is, uh, when it was embroiled in a big steroid scandal, um, right. that kept up this idea of kayfabe, which is this idea of everything is real, we don't talk about it, we, we okay. keep up the facade, right? And the right. only reason that that broke is Vince McMahon, who was the head of the WWF, decided to break that on because he was going through a big steroid scandal that actually had big wide media attention and he uh -huh. had to on the stand basically be like hey it's fake and was yeah. part of his way of kind of like getting out of it but since then it's always been very clear that it is a like fake is the wrong word that it is um predetermined right but yeah. like i i can tell you as somebody who has gone to a training session and has taken one bump in that ring <laughs> fucking hurts dude <laughs> It oh, fucking Jesus. hurts. Oh sure, and no, I, it's it's definitely a a, a sport and a, a, a performance art that has a very physical aspect to it. Yeah, and yeah. as far as like the storylines are concerned, like yeah, it's it's very much 
it is a weird thing where I feel like the best the, the best storylines and the best written characters and such are often these people dialing up their personality to 12. It, it's the very yeah. classic thing of like, don't stray too yeah. far from who you are as an individual and that's what shines through. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. I don't know if that answered what you were asking, but yeah. So, <laughs> no, it does because like we're dealing with the reality of this movie because Joe Pantoliano's character is not necessarily you know, out of place within the narratives of these wrestling things. You could have a scumbag kind of behind the scenes guy who is, you know, manipulating events. Yeah, well, like he that. is a real life, there is a real life analogy to him. And that person was originally going to be in the film as that character. But in the right. real WCW, they had just been fired from the company a few months beforehand. Ah, right. Well, there you go. So you've got that. You've got Oliver Platt telling the boys, it's all fake, you know, and I'm not who you think I am which I thought was going to lead to him admitting that it was all arranged and that he was in yes. on it. That he took the fall because he just didn't want to wrestle anymore. He wanted to just go get drunk. But no, apparently it is all fake, but they did really betray him and beat him up in the ring. Yeah, and then every <laughs> match from then on is just real. Everything yes, from then the on thing. is like... <laughs> they buy back into the fantasy having risen awareness of it. And it's it's very strange. It, it's it's It has... Because the other thing that this really smacks of is that 90s thing and 80s thing, and sometimes still happens. It recently happened in that Mortal Kombat movie, the one filmed in Australia. Um, yes. <laughs> that I auditioned for, yes. <laughs> is you have the characters from the thing that everybody loves, but you don't trust them to be relatable to the audience. So no. you introduce an audience surrogate character that people are going to sympathize with and like, and they will experience the actual thing. So in Mortal Kombat, you have like a new guy who's not a Mortal Kombat fighter, even though there are so many candidates in Mortal Kombat for like audience surrogate main character. Yeah, it is the blank slate protagonist so that you can also superimpose yourself onto that character too. It's like, oh, that's yeah. me. I'm experiencing it as well. Exactly. And it's like, it's, um, oh, when I was a kid, like it's the little kid who's the main character in a Power Rangers movie. Tur Turbo, yeah, you're thinking the Power Turbo. Rangers movie. Turbo, yep. yeah. Exactly, yeah. It's that kid. And it's like, no, wh why? why? Why this kid? I want the Power Rangers. Like they were good no, enough yeah. to me relate to on screen, you know, what, on the TV screen. Why do I need an audience surrogate kid? You know, why do I need Courtney Cox and Masters of the Universe? You know, it's just... It is that odd thing that, that you kind of touched on where it's like, as soon as you make it the movie version, the movie yeah. thing, like, oh, we need Matthew Broderick in Godzilla. We exactly. It's, it, yes, exactly. There needs to be the movie. And this very much feels like there is the movie, which is a bland, naughty stoner comedy kind of thing. And then just the thing you're making the movie about, which slots into the gaps where you put things like action sequences yeah. or you know, just sports movie moments, you know, just whatever you're making the movie about, you can slot them in at these regular intervals. It feels like it was set up to fail, yet I legitimately yeah. believe that they thought it was going to succeed. And for the life of me, I cannot figure out why, because the intention from the very beginning seemed to throw wrestling under a bus. Well, this movie is very early. This is the year 2000, and yet it, it feels very much like a naughty's film. And as much as it yes. does fit into things like Dude, Where's My Car? And the sort of just... Sto I don't know where the stoner comedy vehicle, the gross-out comedy vehicle was at in 2000. When had the Farley Brothers started? It feels like a weird crossroad, right? Where they're trying yeah. to do a gross-out comedy, but they're also trying to do a road trip comedy. And they keep yes. flirting between the two of them. Yeah, they want... They want they just want to appeal to as many teens as possible. And for whatever reason, and this is the downfall of so many adaptations, and it will be the downfall of so many more, 
they didn't have faith in the material. No. And they didn't get to the bottom of what it is people like about this. People like the idea of craziness. And there's bits of that, as we'll come to in Quickfire. There's little hints of, like, the craziness of a wrestling match of just... You know, the, the, the only one I watched um, involved a moment where there was a huge fight where a whole bunch of people were going to the ring when suddenly the fight broke out between them before they got there. It was going to be like a big, like, five versus five guys, and they just started fighting on the way to the ring. And it and oh. two guys ended up wrestling in an elevator. They, like, got pushed into, a, into, like, a service goods elevator and just disappeared. There was no cameraman in there, so the narrators just had to say, somewhere in this building, <laughs> these two guys are still fighting. It oh, was an, it was AEW. It was all elite wrestling. Um, oh, okay. I yeah. was going to say like, I don't have the the memory to to <laughs> know where like that a, was. So it was about a year ago, and it was all elite wrestling. My flatmate was watching it, and so I just came in and ended up watching parts of it. But yeah, that's so. Th- the point is, it's crazy. Anything can happen. You know, weird stuff and there's twists and surprises. But they just had no faith in that. So they were like, "No, we're going to get teens involved in this storyline involving two idiots trying to make good." And Oliver Platt is a deadbeat trying to do right by his family. And that's what's going to carry us along. It's very strange. It's, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's wholeheartedly just peculiar to me. Because it just feels like mm. they, from the, like, they understand, at least partially, that wrestling is, can be inherent, it's inherently theatrical. And it's bombastic. Uh-huh. And it's wild. And there's a whole like bunch of times when you're suspending you're suspending disbelief but and you're yeah. buying in like there's a contract as a wrestling fan that yeah. you're buying into the fantasy it's weird that they understood that and yet still mm. didn't know how to lean into the absurdity without paying it yeah. out at the same time i would be i, I could only imagine just being deeply disappointed with this if i was a wrestling fan just just like I, I try to think of it as if it were a Mortal Kombat movie, and they treated the characters of Mortal Kombat like this, and it's like, oh, okay, so you're not going to get into any of their stories. You're just going to catch glimpses of the fighters you know as they run around in the background and sometimes do a move. Like, I don't know. It, it's inexplicable to me. It feels like such an easy do to make like a movie, but it hasn't been done right. There hasn't been a subsequent really good movie about like set within the universe because obviously you've got the wrestler the darren aronofsky film which is very good yes um but that's not like telling you a storyline from you know a wrestling match yeah it's uh fighting with my family is probably the closest yes but again a behind the scenes kind of movie right about like yeah yeah. i haven't seen it but also they do it they they do a weird thing at the end where they act as if they're like the big final match that is the character finally getting a chance to work for the big company it's Mm. it's presented as if it's real as in like they act it it's odd it's odd but it's probably the closest that they've come it look i will say that it is difficult because i would actually i think there's an argument to be made that you maybe can't make a film like that and that's partially why it doesn't work because mm. it already is like there is so many elements of professional wrestling that is a movie in itself anyway so i feel right. like there's a it's it's difficult to do a movie that acknowledges that the wrestling is performative without it being a behind the scenes look because you either need to do a story in the universe of a wrestling thing then we all have to mm. accept that it is real um or you have what to do the you- behind the scenes look what if you did do that? What if you did just fully ask the audience to suspend disbelief, get rid of the ring and the audience, and just have an actual wrestling storyline play out within a cinematic world? You know, in which, because 
Like you identified, the best scene in this movie is when everyone just starts fighting each other inside of a grocery store. This was an opportunity yeah. to do stuff like that. Just, you know, have a, I don't know, subway station. When suddenly two of our characters see each other and decide to start having a wrestling bout in there and start hitting each other with various things. And it's just, it's like an action movie. But with there family a... drama and soap opera thrown in. Like, that's it's what's driving the that. story. Yeah. There is a TV, there's a TV show that has done exactly that. Um, right. There's a wrestling company in uh, Mexico called Lucha Underground that basically mm. took the best parts of wrestling and supernatural soap opera and smash <laughs> them together. Like it's literally some characters have superpowers. And See, that's there's what you need. Oh, and it, it's real. And like, I think sometimes they snatch the soul. It's a very Mortal Kombat y in its execution and it's really well received. Um, yeah. Oh. You have yeah. to go crazy with this. You can't make a button down, straightforward, you know, three act narrative movie about wrestling. You have to go crazy. You have to make something really eccentric and bold because you are appealing to teenagers and they are going to respond to stuff like that. Get a bit avant-garde of your wrestling movie. Fuck it. You know, what have you got to lose at this stage? You're a year out from bankruptcy. I guess they but thought they weren't. And the weird thing is, is back then, especially in the late 90s and, and 2000s, um, is that they're, they identified their target demographic as the 18 mm. to 35 male. So they're oh, actually okay, right. at that point appealing to adult men. That so, really super is not what they did with this movie. <laughs> no, not. I remember there's so many times throughout this film where I'm there's a joke, quote unquote, mm. happening. And my first question, and I've written it down many times, is who is this for? Yeah, absolutely. Like, who's this line for? What's this? Who's this joke for at this point? And oh, it insane. feels like an executive's idea of what their target yeah, demographic wants. No, absolutely. It's 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 a movie that was designed by people who just didn't really appreciate appreciate it. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. Okay. Let's let's talk about things we actually liked about this film then. Let's pivot. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about quick fires. Quick fire. I mean the first one is something that I already mentioned, but the brain freeze dream sequence. Uh mm -hmm is just, I loved the entire thing. The, also, the yeah. creativity yeah. involved in having the, uh, the basically what amounts to like a country 7-Eleven store, have like a yeah. squishy floor, the ropes are made, you've got the corridors, um, the aisles uh, blocking off the ring as well, the trippy blues and purples and greens, uh, yeah. and just an insight into David, this character who lives and breathes wrestling, so they're imagining their life through like what I thought is they were going to pull out to these two just having an argument with each other, but through his brain he was viewing it as like a a, a massive dramatic wrestling sequence. And I yeah, thought yeah, yeah. if the film was going to be this, I might get some in, like really elative enjoyment out of it. Yeah, because Arquette, it's the bit where his performance is at like it's funniest because it's at it's, it's biggest. He never really goes that big again. Yeah. Yeah, that's just something really quite entertaining about it and the guy playing the gross the uh, grocery store clerk is really good like and he understands sequence. the film he's in there exactly like it just it, there's a moment it's just a moment there where suddenly everything seems to be working well what do you want boob purple sugar slush king size that'll be a dollar 26 dollar 25 that's all i got that's just not good enough now is it you little Boob, you little Jimmy the King fan boob. Oh, Jimmy King's a big fat loser. He's a sissy in tights. There's a lot of glare coming off that dome of yours. Squirrel nuts. Listen, sunshine, 
I'm gonna open up a fresh can of whoop ass on you, boy. Yeah! Bring it on! Definitely the best scene of the movie. And Randy and fucking Randy Savage shows up, and I, I mean, I just like I, I know I, I've seen him in a few things. He's shown up in a few different capacities in my life, and I just like the guy. He has an entertaining and exciting stage presence that I enjoy. I like his voice and his Randy, face. Randy Randy <laughs> Savage was so far ahead of his time. If you look up any, they're called promos, but if you look up any right. interview that Randy Savage did in character I've, during I've his time in the some. early nineties, yeah, it's a fucking like. Have you seen his Cream of the Crop? Um, oh yes, I think so. Yeah, he just spends the entire like he's talking <laughs> yeah. about the cream of the crop, and he keeps just appearing out of nowhere. These little like little cream cup sachets, and he just <laughs> gets like right. six of them, um, <laughs> and he doesn't like mention them. He just keeps they just keep appearing, and it's phenomenal. Yeah. Really charming. So yeah, I, I I really enjoyed him being here. And just to finish off on that sequence, uh, the opening sequence, the pan, the initial pan over the convenience store and down to our characters really did put me in a certain space like a sort yes. of american 90s noughties feeling which i enjoyed and this the nature of this convenience store i love um, movies set around late night businesses there's just something kind of romantic about it um the the neon signs flickering yeah. and you've got the, the, the sound the... of the buzz yeah yeah exactly it's just there's something very charming about it and the, finally on that sequence there's this uh moment where david arquette wants to complain about his um his drink. I can't remember why to get another one or something, but he goes in and he sticks his finger up his ass and then goes in in order to get him to smell it so that it smells like the milkshake is bad. Good ruse, I guess. It's an interesting ruse. Um, it's kind of like, yeah, scumbag Sherlock stuff, which, um, <laughs> you know, it's just, he's the master of um, getting horrible things out. There's something quite cool to that, the idea of a, he's a scummy character, but he's um, savvy in his own way. But, the the reason I've got a quick fire here is because um he says yeah it smells like an ass and then I can't remember who says it but it's like yeah like a bitter sour ass yeah that's the um the, the store clerk he's like the yeah store yeah clerk. like oh it's awful ah I know oh, it's like it smells like 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 my ass right uh, yeah maybe your ass it's weird huh like a bitter sour ass oh I like that I, I like that he was involved in this moment <laughs> and that they played <laughs> with this. But it's, it felt like the two of them were riffing on this and kind of playing with it a bit, and I enjoyed that. Um, this will be my other <coughs> broader note. Um, but all the all like the wrestling itself and the production values around how a wrestling show would be set up was all pretty accurate, to be honest. Like they <laughs> had the proper commentators, the, the legitimate referees, the logos, the the yeah. um the, the pyrotechnics, like the 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 dim, dingy lighting that WCW incorporated uh, during yeah. that time period as well. Like everything was pretty authentic, which you know, yeah. Obviously, that's part of it. That goes, yeah, sure. This is like a way to um uh highlight WCW and push people towards that. I'm fine with that because they're yeah. leaning into it, and so it feels authentic. And the wrestling itself, you're using legitimate wrestlers, so of course, yeah. they're going to be able to choreograph that to perfection. And as a wrestling fan, I went. Yeah, awesome. This part I can go, this felt like where a lot of the time and effort was put into because it's utilizing the people who know the business. Yeah, absolutely. And those sequences, brief as they were, did feel quite exciting and fun. And it was it was also really cute to see the, how excited the guys were about going to the wrestling match. You know, they're in their van, they're doing their horrible job, and, it, and one of them just says something like, it's all right, though, because tonight is Friday night, you know, whatever it is. And it's just the idea that they're excited about their Friday night at the wrestling. And yeah, Monday just... Night Nitro. Mm. 
Well, oh, I'm sure that in this event they talked about Friday night. I remember noting it. Was it definitely this Monday was Monday night, night because Nitro is a show that they're seeing. Okay, um, interesting. I wonder if they got that wrong. We'll double, we'll double check. Yeah. We will double check. But who cares, bro? What's tonight? Monday, Monday night, night Nitro! But yeah, it was cute to see them so excited about seeing the show. Um, and then, yeah, as my quick thing then, the constant drip of the sewage pipe as they're eating their burgers is fucking horrific. In a really oh. visceral, kind of horrible way. Like, it just has this constant steady leak that is, like, flowing over the pipe. And it was really unpleasant in a way that looked that felt new. You know, you could have easily just had, like, a brown drip of liquid. But no, there was, like, an ooze coming out. Oh. Was, uh, yeah, it was horrible. And I have to appreciate the effort they put into that. Um, I... It's the one brief moment of sincerity that the film had and this is where um jimmy king finally he's sitting down with the other two in the trailer and it's just clicked to him that they think everything is real um as real right. as it can be and he sits there and he just has a very somber moment he's like listen to me you pair of dumb shits i ain't no king there never was no king the king is a fake creation okay i ain't even a has been i'm a never was you got it stupid now get the hell out of my house I'm done with you. Get out! And they shut up and listen. And it's this really sincere... And, and it's a loud space to breathe as well. And I went, huh, yeah. there is a film in there alone that I thought yeah. it would be like a good way for the characters to make. Because they never really learn that it's pre-organized. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They never but learn they will that. They'll have to come to terms with that if they're going to work in this now. But yes, well, maybe not, a... since all of them are killing each other <laughs> at the end. But it's, well, so it yeah. seems, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. It's just moments where they're allowed to like kind of just not always overact, and, and Oliver was uh, Jimmy King was able to just deliver that monologue of yeah. sorts. So I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, absolutely. No, I enjoyed that. And um, pertaining to that initial uh, fight that they have, two things there. I enjoyed the beam seats that they have, the really horrible seats they have that have like a sp scaffolding that like forces them to crouch down. His uncle said that, that was, was good, good seats. <laughs> <laughs> that, I like that because it's like, it was an imaginatively horrible seat. Yes. Like, I've not seen a bad seat in a venue quite like that, which I enjoyed. And then I did enjoy David Arquette screaming, you know, when he's tried to like yell stuff about the match, like his voice quite lent itself to him screaming and of course Dewey never screams and that's my main experience of David Arquette so it's quite fun to just hear him be this lame kid just yelling stuff at the stage yeah which you know there are there are some of those that come to the shows that that we're at so oh, that sure. that's very in keeping some people that are able to just screech for two hours straight and apparently not damage their vocal cords I, I'm quite envious yeah, well, he managed to articulate the lameness of his character into his yell, which I thought was really good. Yeah. Um, the the hacking kid character, uh, I know it, 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 was, it was a weird kind of non sequitur line because they established this thing where he has a shitty father and he says, um, yeah, you know, um, I'm not ladder. I didn't, I didn't, what does he say? It's like, at first he says, I didn't cry about it because crying's for pussies. Um, oh, yeah. And then, and then of course, David Arquette says, you know, well, I'm not a pussy and I found it upsetting. Um, and then yeah. we kind of leave that. And then... Oh, it's puking. <laughs> Isn't it weirdly puking? He says that yes, nobody... Yes, puking. That's right. Yeah. Puking's for pussies. And so you're like, yeah. oh, that's, that's, a bit, that's a bit weird and toxic. And they, they yeah. forget about that. And then about 10 minutes later, 
Um, yeah. There's there's a line. He's like, oh, I need to get off my. I need to get off the phone. My dad said yakking is for pussies. <laughs> like yakking on the and I was just like, it's such a weird non sequitur. Yeah, like, that yeah, is everything's, quite, Yeah, yakking on the fun. phone is for pussies. That's right. The idea that dad is just objects to everything. It's being yeah. toxic. Like it's a good satire <laughs> of toxic masculinity. I like. That. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes they, they, they don't just do it for the cheap laugh, which was, which was Indeed. Nice. Well, speaking of a cheap laugh I liked, um, <laughs> look, I enjoyed the nuns actually being on board of singing Van Halen. It was cute, I think. And it, it cuts fair. back to them and they've been... Like, because they introduce it and you feel like the joke is they say, you know, they've been singing hymns together. And then he says, hey, have you ladies ever heard of Van Halen? And then they just, you know, start performing Riding with the Devil. And you just expect it'll cut to them just, like, being thrown out of the van or, you know, walking along the side of the street. But no, the, the nuns get into it and start singing as well. And it's part yeah. of the same joke as the old lady, you know, acting like a young fan, you know. But this time, it was cute. Hallelujah. Hey, do you guys know any Van Halen? No. 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 Running with the devil Running with the devil Break it down, Mama. I live my life like there's no tomorrow All I've got, I had to steal And yeah, it feels less ageist and at yeah, the expense like of the it's... nuns. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It doesn't feel like they're making fun of the nuns. It just feels like they're you know, showing them as being on board and not too serious about their beliefs, and that was cute. Yeah, there was a there was a lovely. Uh, it was a, oh, it's just a very dexterous moment by one of I forget if it was Khan or David Arquette, but mm. when they've tackled Diamond Dallas Page, when uh, they're waiting yeah. for Oliver Platt to come out of the porta potty, and there's a big the ruckus that's happening, and they've both got the wrestler on the ground. No, Khan has the wrestler, has Diamond Dallas Page on the ground, and then from out of nowhere, David Arquette slides on the ground and okay. like a jigsaw puzzle just fits with his legs around yes. the neck. of Di- And I'm like, that was superbly done. I, my note says that it was Pantoliano they had on the floor and that it was Khan who slid yes. into it. But I also yeah, wrote it down because what I also loved about it was the little coquettish squeak noise as he skidded, skidded in. It was quite yes. a, um, just a very, uh, what's the word, sort of slight move of just coming in. But it was, yeah, I agreed. It was very impressive. <laughs> I was like, was that your first take? I'd be very elated if that was my first take. <laughs> if you didn't kick him in the face the first six <laughs> times. <laughs> That's, yeah, very smooth. I like that a lot. Um, I like the bit where they're talking to, I think it's meant to be, is it King's parents they're speaking to? Um, yeah, where he took the, he took their truck. That's right, and he, he he's speaking to them, and he's talking Motorhome, about yeah. how he knows everything about them because of you know their uh, fo- because they follow the plot lines that have happened in wrestling. Uh, he he read his convinced. um his autobiography. Yeah, that's it. So he's convinced he knows everything about them, and he just throws in the line, and then after you died in a plane crash. <laughs> <laughs> that's I like that. I like that he's still committed to it without putting that together. It was a fun. And he worked two fun jobs joke. for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. I love when they're when they're going through the uh, when they're back going to their roots in Wyoming and they're trying to uh, find the posse to uh, yeah. come with Jimmy King to the ring in the final encounter. <laughs> Just commenting on absurd absurd gimmicks that happen in wrestling. It's the yeah. um it's the Siamese twins. Um, <laughs> oh Satan's yeah, yeah. Siamese twins, and then he's like, y- you don't like 
you don't just have three legs, do you? They're like, oh. but it's just clearly two guys yeah. that are fitting yeah. both legs into. And I just think, how would that work in a wrestling match? I would love to watch what that match <laughs> and see no, the choreography just, behind that. Those two were giving it so large as well in terms of their performances. They were really at cheesing the crap out of it. The guys playing the twins. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it is like a wonderful um, comment on just the absurd uh, kind of character choices that you either come up with yourself or you'll be asked to do. Where it's yeah. like, yep, you're this now. Make yeah. it work. It's like, oh, I guess. <laughs> I'll try. Uh, uh, Pantoliano is putting down King, you know, talking about what a bad duty is. And he does an impression of his persona, you know, and I enjoyed that because it was spot on and it was fun. Hey, I'm Jimmy King. I will rule you. I will reign supreme. As soon as I finish these here beers. <laughs> because the persona hasn't been great. Like, the King persona in general is not very memorable. It's the only wrestler seemingly in the movie who has a gimmick, apart from, the, like, the fireman. You know, and eventually him as the cop. But a very overt was... gimmick in any case, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, exactly. And so, oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and so it was just, yeah, it was fun to see that that persona being torn apart. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there was a there was a moment it's in the bathroom before Jimmy King is about to go out for the final match and that's when Khan comes in wearing his red suit for the first time. Mm. Yeah. And King just has this deathly thousand yard stare <laughs> where he's just looking into absolutely nothing and he's barely responding to Khan as when oh, I felt that in the depths of my this is the man that has, like, he is now in a business. Are they going to be real fighting? Are they going to be fake fighting? Are they going to be real fake fighting? Don't know what the fuck's going on. I'm coming out with a, yeah. a fireman and a, a, a woman who, I don't know what her gimmick was, but yeah, it just yeah. It was a man that had no idea what was about to happen and was terrified. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that was good. And I have two plot lines that I quite like. Uh, well, one of them only pertains to him, but based on what you know about his character, it becomes funny. It's when they find him in the sewers, and the guy just says, um, Found him in drainage tunnel 14. He didn't want to leave. I find that cute, like the idea that he just was happy in there. He was happy in drainage tunnel 14. <laughs> let me, let me be. <laughs> Finally, I found where I, where I belong. <laughs> this is my address. And then, yeah, there's a moment where they're all very tense. The old man has been beaten up, um, and they're in the hospital. And, you know, Platt is not looking happy. He's looking very edgy and nervous. And one of them goes off to make a phone call. So as McGowan, David Arquette goes to do something, I think, to see him. And um, Scott Kahn says he's going to go get a Butterfinger. A bu yeah, Butterfinger. And uh, Platt just gets up and stops Kahn very earnestly and says, Hey, can I have a Butterfinger too? I'm going to get him a Butterfinger. I have to use the little girl's room. Can I have a Butterfinger too? <laughs> that was... <laughs> I enjoyed that. It's it very lovely. It's very sincere. Anticlimactic, yeah. <laughs> every, I, every, I, I loved just some of the delivery of um, Khan's... Oh, oh, I can't remember whose line it yeah. was, actually. It's one of the two of them, mm. where they're, they're talking about the, the shitty seats that they have with the big uh, banister yeah. above them. And uh, I, think it's, I think it's David that says, you know, my, my uncle got these seats. He said he'd give his right nut to have seats like these. And Khan just waits a moment and he goes, eh. well, kick him in his left nut when you see him next, thanks. <laughs> I think that's the other way around, because then... Um, Khan then says the line, hey, is it still your left nut if you only have one? And then Arquette's yeah. the one who gets the sort of confused, I'm thinking about that face. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> look, they're inter interchangeable white men at oh, this point. Oh, they definitely are. <laughs> Jesus Christ, they are. Uh, there is a bit in the soundtrack that keeps recurring, 
which really caught me off guard because it sounds like Thomas Newman's soundtrack to American Beauty. It just comes in every now and then and it's like, I reckon it was a direct homage. (laughs) Must have been. It was the year before. So I guess the director was a fan of American Beauty. <laughs> um, you know what? Because it just felt so out of place, I loved when they, they've clearly isolated some key sound effects inside the ring, like you know hitting the ropes yeah. or jumping off a turnbuckle. And yeah. most of them make sense, but obviously it would just sound a little weird because you're hearing them in isolation. But one yeah. of them was strange where the sound effect for the ref hitting the mat for the one, two, three was just this like clanging metal sound. And I just found it very charming. Yeah. It's just like, <laughs> oh, the emotion, like, a, yeah, the ring is solid metal. So just like clang, <laughs> clang. It's like, great. That's cute. <laughs> um, when they're doing the tryouts for his posse, one of the guys uh, says that wrestling is fake. He then gets punched and he rolls over like end over end, rigid, like as a board and it's just yeah it was a very good little stunt from the guy who had to get punched yes oh uh so this was in the blooper reel that was in the end of in the post credits uh, not the I only watched half of the that. i watched i watched far enough to watch uh, randy savage get punched by oliver platt and then i that stopped. was my that was my uh that was one of my quick fires it's that they showed <laughs> randy savage legitimately getting punched by yeah. oliver platt um, oh right and I'm, yeah, it was a legitimate punch, um, and it felt very Blade Runner um, with Harrison Ford and uh, oh, yeah. uh, and Ryan Gosling because he, you know, Harrison Ford punches yeah, yeah. him in the face and he looks mortified by it. <laughs> Sorry, I stepped on your toe. I thought you were you were adding something about mine, and so no, I was I... like, oh, you mean the one where this happened? And it, no, you were there for that. So. <laughs> no, you you know the thing that was better about it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. That's just jumping no, all over your No, it's good. <laughs> um, all right, Olivia Platt. When Olivia, Olivia Platt. When you know, like Lawrence Olivier, Olivier yeah. Platt. Olivia. He, um, he's leaving, and um, like David Arquette comes in the police car in order to say he can't come, and Oliver Platt just thanks him for what he's done, and that was quite sincere. I really wish I could go with you, but I can't. I'm sorry, I feel like I let you down, Morty. I understand. Really, I do. And I want to tell you something. No matter what happens in Vegas, I just can't thank you enough for what you and your partner did for me. All right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I liked it. And it was sweet because he was like, don't worry about not being able to come with me. You know, I get it. Which, again, was just not expected because this is the bit where you do, I thought we had something, man. I thought we were family. You know, kind of. But they kind of had that moment earlier. So at this stage, it's just like, don't worry about it. You do what you got to do. You know, and thanks. And that was sweet. It felt real. It, it did make me think, I was like, oh, are they actually going to keep him away for the whole thing? Or are they going to shoehorn <laughs> him like back in? Because yeah. I thought, maybe they are just writing off his storyline and he's just going to become a cop and it'll be a really sad ending for David Arquette. There's okay. a lovely quote that, I, that I've heard once before in a comic, which is just... Um, uh, With great power comes great responsibility. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. sex, sex without love is just pro wrestling. Um, uh, right so with that quote in mind there's just something oddly charming or at least engaging about just David Arquette just not understanding that Sasha's trying to engage in a bit of a in a bit of coitus with him he's like oh yeah yeah let's take it to the bedroom yeah keep wrestling right yeah and I just it's just lovely to see yeah I'll show you yeah you can show me a move can't you yeah I'll show you a move did you go (laughs) 
It's just yeah, very... It's, it is cute. It's cute to see a love scene sort of play out with playing off of the guy's naivety about the whole thing. Um, yeah, it, it's kind of sweet. It was weird. It was a weird moment and one that I would be very interested to see how it plays into the overall trend of portrayal of sex in like American comedies over the past, you know, 40 years. Since Revenge of the Nerds. Revenge of the Nerds is the worst case scenario, 1980s, where women oh, were no. deprived of agency through to kind of uh, weird eccentric consent, you know, where it's like, hey, I'm kind of into this because it's weird. Uh, Freddy Got Fingered style. Um, yeah. Through to and- wherever the fuck we are now. Well, and it doesn't, and it, and it, like in hindsight, it, it it's also gross anyway because like she's only doing all that because she was ordered to by oh, sure. the manager man as well. So it's like mm, okay. <laughs> I think my 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 last one is just I loved Oliver Platt. Like you can see him just <laughs> in the moment trying to yeah. like give them their wrestling names. Like uh, yeah, this my yes. He's he's the <laughs> law. Um, John <laughs> Swidston. It's just great to see him like working off the top. Like play it off, play it off. Yeah. Here's the thing. They are credited by those names in the Wikipedia thing. And I did prepare my notes before I watched the movie. I never read the plot summary, of course, but I was going for it. And I was just preparing notes. And it said, you know, he's playing, you know, whatever first name, nickname that Oliver Platt came up with, surname. And I'm aware of David Arquette wrestling for the publicity. So I thought this movie was about David Arquette becoming a really good wrestle guy. That's no, just what I thought okay. it was about. So I was really surprised. That really, it was just like Bart and Lisa trying to get Krusty the Clown to find his mojo. Like, yes! Getting Bette Midler on board. Like, I was very surprised that that's what this movie was. I didn't get my David Arquette story. <laughs> the true story. Well, what is this movie? Have you seen it? David Ar- No one can kill David Arquette or something like you've, that. You've, kind you've of... stumbled on my one better thing, Paul. Okay, let's talk about that in a moment. <laughs> okay, we'll get to that. So, yeah, that pretty much does it. I've checked the OG team. No one has replied, which doesn't bode well for our next episode either. Well, um, I can I can give you some OG team ooh. actually because <gasps> I I Bowser. took the liberty of um yeah Bowser I I took the liberty <laughs> of uh um reaching out to my to my wrestling people and ooh. I just said hey uh, here's the podcast here's etc do you have any one better things. Ooh, are um, we gonna get some wrestling fans listening? You to get us some wrestling stuff? fans. So Yay. I'll use their I'll use their wrestling <laughs> monikers actually. So Ooh, okay. Wham Bam Bellows says Ooh. it was great. There was a four post massacre and it wasn't even a pay per view. <laughs> that absolutely was. There was, and the uh, the screaming demon uh, uh, Joey Graham uh, says I didn't even know this existed. <laughs> oh no. Uh oh! <laughs> I just, I just love that there was a there was a wrestler that had no idea this existed until I mentioned it to them, and I was so. And uh, that's that that's all I've got from you from the from the OG team. Excellent, thank you, OG team. Oh man, if, I, if our OG team can get burlier, then that would be very much my kink. <laughs> just all of you flood your local wrestling um uh yeah. school and just all jump in. Yeah, if all of you can take up becoming burly, burly people. I know that one member of the OG team is working on it. Yeah, cite Oliver Platt as your inspiration. <laughs> exactly. And you will be welcomed in every town in this land. And that's that's pretty much going to do it. Let's talk about the one better thing. The one better thing. Better thing. And uh, yeah, I think let's go to you first. 
Yeah, so you you kind of hit the nail on the head earlier. Because, you know, obviously the the obvious recommendation is going to be something like 2008's The Wrestler. But I thought that I would stray away from that and Mm. go for at least what is the closest thing to a sequel to Ready to Rumble, but for all the kind of wrong reasons. So there was a documentary that came out just a couple of years ago uh, called You Can't Kill uh, or Cannot Kill... You Cannot Kill David Arquette, I think is the exact right. title. Uh, you'll right. probably have a title in front of me. But essentially, it it came about because in 2019, or a bit previous to that, because David Arquette is actually a lifelong wrestling fan. And one of his right, biggest yeah. regrets is that he has become synonymous with A, as you kind of mentioned, one of the yeah. reasons for the downfall of an entire company, but also yeah. for a film that is very much viewed as lampooning, disrespecting, and kind of throwing professional wrestling under the bus. And as a fan, he hated that. So Yeah, sure. Of course. He, he looked to basically become a pro wrestler for real and to kind of prove himself and also as a way of apologizing to the community that he loves. So mm. it's a documentary that's kind of part Sunset Boulevard, part The Wrestler, um, and just it's actually a, quite sad. It's a wrestler who... Because at this point, David Arquette is in his late 40s. Right. Because um, right now he's 51. So he would have been about 48, 49. He um, participated in a lot of kind of uh, what are called death matches, which just mm. like... Very bloody, very visceral, very dangerous. Um, and there's a there's a point um, in an actual match where one of the wrestlers actually, because they use fluorescent light tubes, they're a way to break, and they've used them in like gross matches. But mm. there's a pointed end that gets literally stabbed into his jugular. And oh my god! He has to leave mid match because he's just like he's profusely bleeding. He's prof- he's dying basically, Jeez. and he has to leave before it gets worse. And it's just um. It's kind of a sad, um, worrying portrayal of a man who's trying to atone for something that he feels oh very, God. very so... bad about uh, 20 so sad. years after the fact. Yeah, um, Jesus. And it's also a very just fantastic insight into the independent wrestling industry as well. So I think it's yeah. also a much clearer insight into the business if that's something that you're interested in. And also just yeah. to see David Arquette in something that's not that <laughs> yeah no absolutely yeah I, that's that, that's really good i really like that and yes like you say yeah i'd be very interested in seeing that because it's 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 an interesting legacy and a very upsetting story so it'd be good to see how that sort of pans out um and then yeah like you say the most obvious choices are the wrestler and fighting of my family as we've said yes. i'm gonna go with the only other wrestling movie i've really seen and i could go with a movie where a professional wrestler is like you know in the movie because they have yes. made a lot of crossovers to action movies but i'm gonna go with something that is about wrestling and i'm gonna go with 2011's win-win which is a movie by tom mccarthy who um, oh. also directed spotlight and it says paul giamatti is a uh, wrestling coach who uh, ends up working with um is it michael sarah what it was but i'm not seeing him in the cast list here <laughs> anyway he's working with this kid who's um no i guess it's not it's just he's a wrestling coach and it's just about what wrestling means to the boys and he also has his own intrigue going on because like he ends up working with uh the grandson of someone that he has done wrong by so there's a alex schaefer was the name of the kid and oh, yeah, gotcha. it's just it's a it's a fun movie i really i really enjoyed it um it's been a while since i've seen it but i remember enjoying it and you know mccarthy is generally quite good at handling very character driven drama win 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 it's called 
win win 2011 win win and um yeah it doesn't have the uh the high camp value uh of of you know the wwe but it is still a very affecting ca- uh, character driven comedy in a sort of alexander payne style i think I would right i'll have to yeah. add that to the list yeah i'm very fond of it that was the one better thing better thing the one better thing sean how can people find out about you and your endeavors Oh, so, you know, if you don't know by now, I'm going to tell you again, um, because that's what we do here. I am a yeah. member of Roll to Cast. That is R-O-L-E, Roll to Cast. So the primary <laughs> thing I do is I play role-playing games. So Roll to Cast is a TTRPG variety uh, podcast where we play a different role-playing game every season. Uh, we endeavor to uh, introduce people to the wide world of TTRPGs outside of Dungeons & Dragons. So we've done... Yeah. Cyberpunk uh, Red, Vampire the Masquerade, Kids on Bikes. We're uh, currently playing through a Starfinder campaign, which I am running. We're on season ooh. eight. Um, and wow. I guess a couple of other things I would say is that um, if you happen to be in the Adelaide area or enjoy the Adelaide Fringe Festival, being at one of the biggest, if not the biggest, Fringe Festival in the world, we're doing Whoa. World to Cast Live. So we're actually doing four uh. live shows uh, for the first time where we'll be playing four games over four Saturdays each of us taking the GM's chair, and we're going to be doing it live in front of real-life human beings for the first time in February and oh, March, shit. which is going to be fun. Um, so we're, we're in pre-production for that. Um, and the only other thing I'll say, just because it's in the spirit of this here episode, is I've talked about being a part of a wrestling company. Um, if you yeah. want... If you have Fight if TV, F I T E, um, there is actually an international touring company called World Series Wrestling, where if you uh-huh. get the uh, the Adelaide uh, leg of a tour, I'm on commentary for that. Oh, um, that's so cool! Uh, or if you just jump on YouTube, Wrestle Rampage is the Adelaide-based company that I'm a part of. I'm both the ring announcer and the commentator for. Have been for the last two years now, and I'm, I'm actually put. I'm actually doing a show tomorrow, which will be. I don't know when that'll be in actual proper time, but maybe I've done it by the time this comes out. But yeah, so that's kind of me. Otherwise, I'm on Twitter at Sean Means John. That's about it. That's me. I've said enough. <laughs> Amazing. Good stuff. Check out all of that stuff. It is all exceptional. When you're done with exceptional, come back here. It's OGT Pod and <laughs> all of the places you can find it. Was also Quest Fantastic, Jen and the Film Critic. Um, stuff you can find in the uh, the comments of this particular episode. But Ooh. the most important thing is that I'm Paul Russell. I'm just here for the fun. <laughs> and remember, the one good thing about Ready to Rumble is that David Arquette did eventually atone. 